So thank you for joining me on this next episode of the Scholar Homies podcast. The game is to be told, not sold, conversations with the soul. I am here with la mera mera, la chingona, <laughs> Dr. Hernandez. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I feel like we go way, way back and we um just we'll just get it out there. We are both proud sisters of Lambda Sigma Gamma Sorority Incorporated. Um, and but I didn't find you until we were in higher ed, which yeah. was so interesting. Um so I guess I let's let's start there. Let's start how we um uh, I guess not maybe how we connected, but just how we found each other in higher ed and conferencing because I feel like we've never actually worked at the same institution together. We've right. um we only always meet up at conferences, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. So I was trying to remember, I know it was NASPA, or I think it was NASPA where we connected. Um, and I remember there were like a group of us. Uh, and I remember we took a picture. Um, I don't remember which NASPA, because I feel like I've seen you at, in the beginning, I saw you at several Western regional yeah. NASPA conferences. I'm trying to remember which one it was and which one came first. <laughs> I, I have like, I, rem I remember um so I don't know I was gonna say Chicago not, I remember Oakland I remember Oakland but Oakland I also remember Stanford. Anaheim oh, I also remember Anaheim because it might have been Anaheim Anaheim was my first western regional so maybe it was there oh, okay so there was Anaheim because I have the picture like we took a picture with the little signs and we had yes. the LSG on there yes so then that became like our thing is like okay wh wherever we link up at a conference is that we had to do an lsg picture yes. we had to see like what other lambdas were were at at the conference and then we had like a um, a quick meetup and a picture yeah, yeah. those yeah. were good times and i loved being in, in community and in space with you because it was just it was just so there was somebody familiar like there was some yeah comfort in knowing that there was a sister also at the same conference somebody that that you knew was going to be there yeah and those that was the beginning of my conferencing with NASPA too um and I I remember like I from there like I think that's where I started getting to know more people because we started connecting um and I remember like I'd always I I don't know if we would message each other but I always try to look out for you and like I think there were a couple other sisters that were in higher ed at the time as well that I was always like are you going to be there can we connect because at that time at those times like earlier on I really didn't know that many folks yeah, so, yeah. and I would go alone that definitely like that that Anaheim conference and the Oakland one I went I mean I think when I got there I eventually knew people but like sometimes some institutions travel like their units travel together and I was never in a unit that traveled so I've always gone solo yeah 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 and that was I think Anaheim was I was there with the group but I was new to the group so I didn't know any I think the only one actually knew no I don't even know her yet Danielle um okay I think since then she and I have become really close friends and colleagues but I didn't you know know anybody although I was there with the group I was new to the group so I, I also didn't know anybody yeah. And yeah. I know Danielle because her and I did the same master's program. She was like a year ahead of me, but we, we had that that common similarity the connection. Yeah. Yes. And then so we started kind of linking up a little bit, taking a picture, like brief socials. And then that, I think, grew naturally and organically into you asking me to participate on this panel. Yes. And so 
tell me about about this because this this panel is like the start of something amazing. Oh my god, yeah, it's the start of I didn't even know I would get I would get to where I'm at now. Um that that panel was it, it really started the idea started with a conversation I was having with um uh Dr. Damian Peña who's my VPSA. Um and I, I remember just talking to him because his wife is also in higher ed and he's, you know, to always share. And I know her as well, but, you know, she um, he'd always share about some of her experiences as a Latina, um, as a faculty, she's a faculty member. And I remember sharing with him some of the experiences that at that time were very recent for me. And in some ways, tra traumatic, you know, things that I microaggressions that, you know, being Latina, being a woman, all those things. And not expecting that I would experience, not ever thinking that I would experience any kind of isms from other people in higher ed. But um, the idea kind of started with talking to him and he's like, why don't you put it in a presentation? Um, and I remember I, I had just finished rereading uh, Gloria Saldua's Borderlands. And I don't know what I, why I was, re I think now it makes sense, but I don't know why at the time I felt like I needed to reread it. Um, and I remember like thinking, okay, a panel would be great because then I don't have to be, not only do I not wanna be the only one talking cause I hate talking at people, you know? Um, but I, I started to realize that there were other or learn that, that there were other women, other Latinas, other women of color in general, but specifically from the other Latinas that I could relate to that were having some similar experiences. Um, and so I started putting this, it just happened that at that time, it was like put proposals together for Western Regional. Started putting the proposal together and because I was so into rereading Gloria Saldua's work, that was like my basis, like it just made sense. And I don't recall where I took, where I got the idea of using like Chingona in the title. Um, but I remember putting this together and I remember like thinking who, who could I reach out to? Like who would be down, you know, like who would be down for this? Because there's a lot of people that are uncomfortable with the, some of the technology, right? Absolutely. And I also didn't know if that proposal, how it would be looked at. Like, you know, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know how the profession would look at it or if it would right. be accepted. So I was like, who would be the people that would be down? And that's, of course, I immediately thought of you because you were like, a, you know, someone like, you know, a sister, you were in higher ed, but we connected. And, um, and so that's where I, the, the panel idea first came up for me. Um, and then I remember reaching out to um, Bonancin, Dr. Ceguera, um, who was, she was in my cohort, my doctoral cohort at USC. So I knew her and um, you said yes. And then when I reached out, she was like, oh my God, yes. We were just talking about like how we have to have a chingona. And I was like, oh my God, here's somebody in like higher level administration who's comfortable with using, you know, like who's okay with this too. Um, and then of course my mentee, Betzabel, um, my enough mentee, um, I just kind of brought her along. <laughs> I was kind of like, you're gonna do it, but no, I still asked her. Um, and yeah, and that was, I, I was, I remember like ex being excited that it was accepted and like, not just that, but like the amount of attention that it got at the conference. Huge, it was my first, conference presentation that was um standing room only I want to say and it was a, and 
as for those that are not in higher ed listening, like we go to conferences, we have to submit proposals and like they go through a review to get accepted. So it's a big deal that your presentation has been accepted. And then when you go, honestly, it depends on the topic. It may hit, it may not hit. So sometimes you will get like three people in your presentation, right? It depends on the time of day. It depends on the topic. It depends on who is presenting it, like who has that kind of like draw to the, to the, to the presentation. And so that was the, at the time, like it was packed and it wasn't a small room. Cause I, I also like look at that, like, oh, is it a small room? And there's, but there's only 10 people. And that's cause they put us in the smallest room in the corner. No, it was, it was standing room only. There was a lot of people in that space and it was like almost like a double room. Um, but I thought about that too. I remember when you asked me first, I was like, I'm immediately down. And then I did think of that, of like the professional like repercussions, I guess you could say, because after you do these proposals, um, first off, our work pays for them, right? So when we submit to say like, we're going to go to this conference, you have to submit what proposal was accepted. You give them the name of the, of the right. presentation. You give them a brief like overview of what you presented on. Um, and it's in, it's in like the, the, the book right it's, yeah. it's in the program so there's like it's going to be documented of what you're what you're presenting and what they're paying for you to go present on um but even more so I was like I have to put this on my cv right my resume afterwards um and it's gonna say you know like chingona da, da, da. and so I kind of I remember not thinking I just remember thinking like at some point in my career, someone's going to read that and probably feel some type of way about it. But I was still, um, it still didn't matter. I just, it was just a thought, like, I know that someone's not going to be comfortable with that term. So tell me about your thoughts on that too. Like one of like reclaiming the term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that more, 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 more and more, um, folks in higher ed are using the term, um, but it, it, at that time, I just felt like I needed something like that would um, sort of like define what em- empowerment is without using empowerment, right? And um, it just was such a like Spanish term to me that like came with like, at least in this country, right? Because if you go to Mexico, like, you know, that word's like left and right, but just it was such a negative connotation of like what being chingona means um and for me I ju- it just felt like it, it was a, a way of it was where I was at at the time in terms of needing to feel empowered because of all the the crap that I had been through um all you know people spreading rumors about me um in the profession um uh, or not in the profession, but in, in certain circles, you know, or not understanding where I was coming from, not really knowing me. And I'm just like, you know what, one of my colleagues, um, I was having a conversation with one of my colleagues and she's like, are you really going to let them define, like, define you, like, you know, like what they're saying? And I was like, no, it's it's not me. And um, I think it was just, for me, it's just a term that signifies, like, I am a woman, I am Latina, and I am a badass, like, I am chingona. And there's not like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, there's nothing with being wrong with being a strong woman and whether other people, people, you know, in society don't like to see strong women. Um, it's it just society in, in, in the culture, you know, um, and it just felt like 
that was for me, it was empowering to be able to, to use. And it felt very strange in the beginning to say like, I'm Chinguana. Um, but I don't know, it just felt empowering. And I, I remember telling my parents, <laughs> trying to describe to them all oh, this presentation and like, you know, um, telling them what it was trying to translate for them. Cause my parents only speak Spanish, the title of the presentation. And um, I remember my, my mom being like, what they, like they allow you to use that term like that's something you use like you know in in, in education um and I was like yeah I you know I'm gonna um and I was started joking around with with them um at that time I had gotten one of a recent tattoo which don't another conversation but I was like yeah it's gonna be my next tattoo I'm gonna put you on uh, that tattoo my mom was like you're so concerned <laughs> Like, don't, like, why would you do that? And my dad was like, yeah, like you should all of a sudden, right? Um, like very, I don't know that. I mean, that's the whole other conversation, but like the fact that my dad was supportive at that moment, like he would really like, was like, yeah, you should do it. Um, was really interesting. Cause you know, I grew up in a traditional household and like for my dad to all of us who didn't want me to have a boyfriend. <laughs> You know, until I was after you graduated from high school, all of a sudden telling me, yeah, you should. Um, I don't know. It just felt like like it was a way for me to take back who, who I am as a person and not let other people, what other people say, take me down in a way. So, yeah, I don't know. That's the whole explanation, long explanation for. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I think um, I'm thinking also of around that time is probably when I needed to feel like I needed to create my own sense of belonging. Yeah. And around, I, it's probably around the same time where I came out with the shirts, um, the Chingona Scholar shirts. Yes. And the early, early on. And I remember, um, because at the time I was an early doc student and I was just feeling, I think you're just feeling like you're going, I feel like maybe you're going through like an identity crisis. <laughs> you're like yeah. not sure who you are anymore. You're you're reading all this material and you're kind of losing yourself in academia. And I needed to like reclaim my I, I needed to reclaim some of that identity. And so I I I feel like around that time is when the the Chingona scholar shirts I came out with them and it took off. Like a lot of the community, a lot of um the Chingonas in higher ed mm -hmm. and in academia really resonated with not only the shirts but I had stickers and like they were they were kind of everywhere right it was like a little piece of us um, on these campuses and you know what was so amazing was people started wearing those shirts to their defenses to their like proposal defenses yeah. for for masters their dissertation defenses and th these are like for those not in academia listening these are like you know when you become a doctor right or when you when you've like when you present to your committee to tell them, you know, your of your you tell them of your research, and then they basically tell you you passed or not if you're a doctor. And these are well attended events by family members and then by members um, in in their college campuses, you know, or their friends or whatnot. And they can be online and or in person. Like some of these have, you know, up to fifty people attending. But to be in an academic space and then to be claiming it so openly like yeah. I, um I remember there, there's one doctor who she graduated from um a university in Florida and she remember I remember her telling me like you know my dad is like you're gonna wear that shirt like at be like this you know it's it's going against all the social norms of what how we should dress also for these events and how we should prepare for them right. and then she was gonna like blatantly make a statement by wearing a chingona scholar shirt and um 
it just kind of just all resonates, right? It's just like mm-hmm. some, and you know, I think it's because sometimes I don't, I don't, maybe I'll speak for myself, but you, we can feel invisible in these spaces, right? Um, where maybe we're overlooked, um, we're passed up yeah. for positions, or we're, we're not kind of, we're not kind of tapped in first, right? We're like, we're like, people tap us in like on the third or fourth kind yeah. of try. And so then by us kind of reclaiming this and kind of like, no, like you're, I'm going to force you to acknowledge my greatness right. and how much of a badass I am in this moment. Yeah. And, and I think too, um, and I think that that's why um, at the time, like I started using Gloria Saldua's work a lot um, in her explanations and in, in Borderlands and even the work after she expands on some of that, but I think just her her talking about us being in that middle space, right? Like not being accepted fully in one on one end or the other, and just being like feeling stuck in the in the middle. And then the the she talks about like subconsciously feeling or even just going into different spaces and like code switching, right? Without even us uh, without us thinking about the fact that we're actually doing that. And I think that's where got me thinking about being more intentional about just being me and and um like the authentic me authentic me in terms of speaking up you know voicing what I think or or not being afraid to to say certain things in certain academic spaces um and 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 I think I think it's happening to me even now you know I feel like I think that the, the advantage that I have is I'm in this tenured role, like I'm tenured. And so people will find ways to still come at you, even though you are right. And so for me, it's like, I don't care. It's like, what's meant for me is meant for me. You're not, you can't, you know, you're never going to be able to take away the things that are meant for me. And which is where I'm at with this book, right? Like, I, I I have my role, but I'm doing all these other things outside of that role that you cannot touch you know and that I think those are opportunities that I'm, I'm taking to like show show like show this like chingona like right like and, and I have conversations with, I have the you know the, my group of people at my campus who like you know I can trust and talk to or go to whenever I you know have to vent or, or talk something out before I even say anything to somebody you know or say the wrong thing to somebody um but I have my moments, you know, I have my moments of like, God, I get so frustrated. I feel like I hit a wall. Like I feel like certain, certain, you know, as long as certain folks are in certain roles, like I'm, I'm going to be stopped from moving up or doing certain things, but I'm like, that's okay. Because you can't, you will try, you can't really stop everything that I'm doing, you know? Um, and so I, I think that's another way um, of like, being a chinguana but also remembering who you are like I for me remembering who I am in, in those moments and remembering the words the encouraging words of like the people around me you know like uh I, there's been times where like you know I, I've cried <laughs> I've cried you know chinguana chiona pero chinguana like you know um and like even my parents my dad will be like no que muy chingona and I'm like well yeah but I'm still human like damn you know yeah um but yeah I think I've learned how to navigate um certain spaces and still still be me and being okay with 
not a, I'm not for everybody. Not everybody's gonna like what I have to say, whether I say it or not, right? Like they may or may not like it, and so that's okay. Like there's there are spaces that are for me. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's all. A, a, um, being a chingona comes with a, a lot, you know. Like whether you define yourself like that or not, I think whether we speak up or not, I think there's always going to be these forces that try to to stop us so to speak from like doing the work I think this really resonates and hits because it was yesterday or the day before I was in a meeting a committee meeting and um it was over zoom and at immediately like the zoom ended a second later I got a call I'll just say from somebody I won't say who <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just say I got a call and they um, basically told me to fix my face on the Zoom and I need to smile. And oh I was like, oh, oh, okay, got it. Um, wow, right? Like that that was interesting because it reminds me of a, of a meeting we had last semester. At, it was probably like one of our last meetings, big faculty meetings. And, you know, if you've been in these faculty meetings, I don't know, I, I won't speak for everybody, but I'll say, you know, they're not pleasant for me. And they're going back and forth over something. And my colleague leans over to me, a male colleague. He's like, are you going to say anything? I'm like, no. He's like, why not? Don't you have something to say? Because I, I, I guess I typically do. Mm-hmm. I go, well, I have thoughts. I have an opinion, of course. But, you know, I, um, you, I think for self-preservation, I need to pick and choose my battles. And yeah. that was a battle I was not willing to engage in at the time. But when he leaned back and was like, aren't you going to say something? I'm like, because you want me to like basically put myself out there to get hit. Why don't you say something like this is that's that's a perfect example where we need like the men and the Latino men in particular to like stand up and like take some of the hits for us. Right. Because we're tired of getting hit. Like we can only get hit so many times, like you said, we're human. Right. And so it goes back to that, like how many you know, if you're always going into battle, it's like, you know, it, it's exhausting in that. Yeah. And I, I've kind of made the decision where I'm not tenured. And so again, for those listening, not in academia, tenured basically means, we'll just say like you're secured in your position. Um, not tenured means that you're, you're still working towards that and you have a few more years. So I'm still not tenured. I'm basically not protected. So everything I can say will, will be used against me when they go to vote against, when they go to vote, right? again Mm -hmm. eventually um but I decided I am I'm not I don't die with my tenure so I'm still going to say what I need to say but I am going to um be selective right and not pick not fight every battle so I think that's that's where I currently am um because you're right you're like we don't maybe we like subconsciously code switch so like today I, I went into this huge meeting and I was like, okay, I was getting out of my car. I'm like, okay, big breath, put my smile on because apparently I got to fake the funk. Um, and it was just, it wasn't like I wasn't having a bad day or off day. I was honestly, I was just in my thoughts that and that meeting and processing. And I think that's the thing too. It's like, we're talking about, sometimes we're talking like high level theories and it was like, I got to smile through that shit too. Like I'm, yeah. I have my thinking, I'm, I'm literally processing and thinking and you want me to smile to, to be like pleasant, like my next shirt is going to be like, fuck your smile, but <laughs> that's okay. That's another topic. Okay. But like, let's go. Um, so we then continued on to have, like, I would say these series of panels. Yes. And they've again been 
been well attended. And you, when we're in the room with these other chingonas, I get so inspired by them. And because they're like, their energy is so eager and they're like, and they're looking to us. Like, I feel like, I don't want to say like we paved, we paved shit, but like, they're kind of, they're kind of looking at us to like, tell like, how did we do it? And I'm like, I don't know. We're just, I I mean, it's, it's this beautiful, but like surreal movement but every panel that we've done has been fueled with chingonas in the room right and then even like our allies at the last one that we did was in baltimore Baltimore, yeah and i remember we had a group of allies like um colegas there and in the back they they asked like how can we support y'all or that that, there was a question like that right yeah and um i thought you know that's dope one that you're here in the room to support and to hear what we have to say and then that's even more dope that you're asking like how you can support um your colegas right when you're when you're out in the field and it's something like like back to the example right instead of like leaning back and asking and waiting for for somebody else to like be combative or to to speak up against something you know inequitable like you do it yourself yeah or and or support right like if, if someone's going to take the lead like you immediately support and back them up mm-hmm. in a public setting don't be that person that waits till the meeting's over and right like, oh, yeah, that was a good idea like that doesn't do anything when you're in the meeting and that one person is like taking the hits by themselves yes um so then that leads into I don't know where we were we might have been at Baltimore but I remember telling you like you know we've done several of these panels now and they're so well attended Mm -hmm. and I think you're on to something and I said I think you have a book Mm -hmm. you have a book here yeah and I'm like I've sis I don't I you know I I don't have (laughs) I was like I've never done it I don't you know but but I need you like I just want you to know like this is what I see and I feel like um there's something here so tell me tell me about that yeah so it was like you read my mind or reading my mind. Um, so it just so happened that I actually, the year prior, I had attended um, Encore, oh, uh-huh. a virtual a virtual session with Encore. It was a, a publishing publishing in social justice or something like that, and it was like four different public editors from four different publishing companies um, who kind of went over like you know in very simplistic forms, like what they look for. And um, I don't remember, I just remember that I, and I went back to my notes because I had a notebook because we, you know, we were in the middle of COVID. So things were still kind of shut down. Um, And I remember going back to my notebook and um, I had written down the names of two of the publishers that I kind of resonated with. Like, you know, it just felt like they were more down to earth. Um, and so I reached out to one of them um, and I, and he had said during the session, like, you know, just reach out if you have any questions. I was like, all right, I have questions. <laughs> so I sent him an email, like, you know, just can, can we meet? Cause I, you know, I, I have some ideas and I, I, I really just wanted to talk through with him, like what we had been doing with these panels. And I'd always wanted to write a book, like, you know, reading and like writing or like, things that I I love to do. Um, And when I met with him, 
And I started talking to him about all the panels and the chingonas. And he was like, you know, white guy, like Googling. He was like Googling us. I was talking to him. What is a chingona? And yeah. And then he's like, okay, well, can you put a proposal together? And um, and I, I was not expecting him to say that. I was like, wait, what? I was really just wanted to know more what does it entail? And like, what do I need to do so I can prepare myself, prepare myself to get to that point? Yeah. And he's like, well, you're there. Like you're at that point, like put a proposal together. And it's like, all right. And I, I feel like I look back at that moment and I feel like, like I was a student all over again because I kind of felt like back when I started going through like dissertation, like I was just going through the motions without really thinking it was going to go anywhere. Right. So I was like, okay, I got, you know, send me the proposal. I started putting it together. I had most of the pieces because we had the information. Um, and then as part of the proposal, I had a, like, they wanted to see example um, paragraphs, right? So the book is an anthology. So there, it's an edited anthology. So every chapter is a different author. And so I remember just reaching out to like a whole bunch of like people that I just, Latinas that I, that I know, um, trying in some ways to explain what I was trying to do without really understanding what I was doing myself, you know? Um, and so I started there and then it was like, revisions back and forth on the proposal in the middle of the process the editor they switched editors that guy left and there's you know another person now that I'm working with um and eventually got to the point where they accepted the proposal and I was like okay cool like what does that mean um and so submit the proposal they accepted it um it, it for you know in their the editor accepted it in order, and at that time they accept it, that means that they're accepting it to put it forward for review to see if it's a book worth moving forward with. So they send it out for what they call market research. So they basically send it out to, I don't know who the folks are, but um, I'm assuming other, they asked me for like names, but I don't know if they used any of the names that I gave them of, of people in higher ed that I thought had similar background that could give feedback on something like this. Um, and it, when it came back, um, I think the whole process took like three months, two to three months or something like that. So by the time I submitted the original proposal to, by the time I got an acceptance was like over a year. Um, and so um, that was the whole process. And now um, like we're just finalizing the book. <laughs> I am so excited for you. I just, as you were speaking, I have this like vision of, you know how at NASPA they have these book signings? Yeah. Like, you're going to be there with the book signing. Like, oh my God. This is so amazing. Funny. I am so excited for you. It's, I, I feel like this is just going to like propel the movement a little bit yeah. further. And I feel like it's the start, right? Like, you know, I started yeah. with the whole reaching out to a whole bunch of people. And then at the end, it's, you know, uh, uh, because of time and everybody has so many other things going on and timelines. And, you know, so there's, I think that. There, there's definitely a, a lot more voices, I think a lot more chapters that can be written. And so my hope is that there's a second book. And because I, I think there's there's a lot more, there's a lot of diversity within, you know, like Latina, the Latina, just Latina population itself. And so um, I, I really would, I, I it's a lot of work for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm hopeful that after the first book comes out that they see there's a need for like a second book. Yes, I yeah. love that. 
I think that um, this first half of our of our conversation has kind of been like your positionality, right? And how yeah. you lead into that with your work. But what advice do you have for chingonas that are newer to higher ed or newer to student affairs? Oh my goodness. That's, that's such a hard question for me to answer because I look back at my own experience and I'm like, would I change anything? Um, I think... I think some advice would be to like, don't be afraid to be yourself or show yourself. Um, Because I think that um, as I look back at my own experiences and like where I'm at now, and I think the last thing you would want to do is, is pretend to be someone you're not or try to fit in and then end up in a space where you're, you're not comfortable. You know, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I, I, for me, like, I want to be where I'm wanted. So if you don't get, if you apply for something and you don't get it, like, it's okay. It was not meant for you. Like there's something out there meant for you. And when that comes, like, you'll like, I think it'll make, I think it'll feel right. You know, it's like, I just, yeah. I just think like you move forward. Like I, I, I even to myself, cause that's, I'm trying to figure out what is my next step. Like I, um, try to be strategic about what I go for, like the roles that I consider and making sure that are the roles that I really am interested in and that I really, the work, it's work that I really want to do. Um, and I think earlier on, it's easy to get caught up in trying to get a job because that's real too. Like I completely get that trying to get a job, but also like be mindful that, you know, that what you're applying for, you might, you don't want to end up in something you don't like, you know? Right. Um, and so tried it to as best as possible because I get the financial aspect, like I totally do. Um, so so that would be like I think my biggest advice. Um uh for me, like I, I've met a lot of a lot of Latinas along the way. And um up until like before COVID, I it was I maintained my connection to to I did my uh, or I did my master's program. And, you know, I ask, I have a lot of, when I speak, like on these panels, like I have, like think the Latinas gravitate towards me, I think for obvious reasons. Um, but there was one that was on the job search graduating and, and I, and she stood out to me because she cut her hair because somebody told her that to get a job and to be professional, she needed to have, she couldn't have long hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm not cutting my hair. Like my, you know, I have long hair. I'm not cutting my hair. Um, and so that's where I was like, out, like internally that hurt me like, ouch, you know? Um, but I wish she hadn't cut her hair. I wish she had just maintained true to herself. Um, because I know it's hard. I know it's hard when you're, you're out there, you're looking, um, and you just want somebody to hire you, but like, you got to remember that you're also like, like when they say, right, you're also interviewing them. Like you're also looking at this place of people that you're going to work with and who, who your supervisor is going to be and all that. So I, I think just trying to stay true to who you are as a person, because people will get to know you and um, the people that are like, you'll find the people that are for you in these spaces. So I, I think both. Yeah, it's like important to know like what your needs are and make sure that those are being met yeah. because it is it is real. Um, 
I, I, I think it's, it's easier for us to say, cause we, you know, we, we're not on the yeah. job market right now, but it is all about fit, right? Like even those on the faculty market, like if there's a department fit, there's, there's a, they're look the department when they're looking to hire, they're looking to hire something to fit a very specific role. And sometimes we don't see that we're like, Oh, on paper, it, it's a match, but it's like, well, th they're looking for kind of other things that we may not be, um, mind, we may not be aware of. But one thing that sticks out as you were sharing that story about the hair was that at our panels afterwards, we get so many people that come up to us and because we share our experiences and our stories like that they can resonate um, with us, right? Or like, and I'm typically, I think on all the panels, I probably, I think I've, no, no, no. Am I, have I been the only mom? I don't remember. Uh, no, 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 not anymore. Linda. Yeah. Okay. But I think at the beginning I was the only mom and then now mm -hmm. now we have like multiple moms but I think um I know it's always important to share that if I at the end you know we have like what's like our takeaway right from the panel and I'm always like if you are going to choose motherhood know that you can do it like it's not going to be mm -hmm. easy but that it's doable and I always end with that because I remember being early in my career in student affairs in particular and like honestly fighting with myself because my culture tells me that I should be a stay-at-home mom, but I don't ever desire to be a stay-at-home mom. Like I've always had mm -hmm. the desire to have this career and to be this professional. Um, and so I was at, always at conflict with myself. And sometimes I just needed that validation that was like, you can do it. You can, you can do this and you can do that. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. And so I think that's why I always end with that because I'm like, if there's somebody in the room who's also not like negotiating, yeah. you know, these two worlds, it's just like, there's multiple of us, right? There's multiple mothers who are also professionals who, because it's so ingrained in our culture mm -hmm. <laughs> to this day yeah. in 2023 that like, you got to pick one or the other that you can't right. do both. Right. Or, um, and so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's also I think that's why it's important for us to show up ourselves, even though like we get battle wounds in the process yeah. Yeah. because um, it's, it's so that the generation that's coming up after us can, you know, continue right yeah. after, after we've left and everything. Um, so I just, I, while we're, we're still here, I just want you to, to know that I'm always, I've always been inspired by you um, and I am always motivated by you and I have so much love for you and I'm so grateful that you've like you've led this right for for myself to come up after and for for the jingle and that are coming up after us so I'm just so proud to know you and always inspired by you because I know um it's not easy right and I, mm -hmm. I know like kind of the battle wounds that you've had um and and they're real right and we we're still here yeah <laughs> we're, we're still show up um, you know, sometimes it, it's harder than other days, but I just, I just want you to, to kind of get your flowers while you can, so that you know that, um, the work that you're doing is, is so inspirational and we have so much love for you. Thank you. Um, oh, that means, that means so much, so much for you to say that. And, and honestly too, like I, it's hard for me to, um, take comments uh, you know, like, like good comments too, because I also recognize that um, when I started this 
whole idea of, of the panels, you know, I, I did pretty, I did very much feel alone in my experiences. And, and so I'm just so glad that, you know, we're able to connect in this way, but also like let other, other chingonas see that they're not alone. Um, and, and I know that, that I wasn't the only one. I know there's like, you know, many other that have come before, before me. Um, and so I just, I'm just glad that I've been able to maintain a connection with you. And I'm glad that whether it was like, even if it was because, you know, it started with the sister connection. Um, but I mean, I admire you. I admire your work. Like I admire you. Like I could not, I don't know if I could live with my parents, um, but being so open about your experiences, you know, and like sharing it with the world and your, you know, <laughs> your IG stories and seeing like some of the things that you've gone through with your own, you know, your own family. And like, I, I feel that, you know, I, I feel that because it's relationships, I think are not with parents always perfect. And like being in that, the caretaker role, you know, it's, and then being a mom and I'm not a mom, um, but I'm the only daughter. Um, and, and so I, I just, in a lot of ways feel you. And I think Melania is so lucky to have you. Like she is, I love that she loves to read. Oh my gosh. I love that she loves to read. Okay, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> but I love that you <laughs> said a year ago, I think it's been about a year, you sent her a whole box of books. Oh yeah. And, oh, that was so beautiful because we were in our Airbnb, like that was the time we were Airbnb hopping. <laughs> and um, we had, we basically had all our stuff in storage for the last year, including her books. And even at the books that were in storage, she kind of like outgrew them by that time. And so you had a stack of books, I think what from your niece or like, yeah, yeah, that she had out like out read and finished them all. And she was like, would you mind if I send these to Milani? I'm like, oh my gosh, she would love them. And we, we still have them. Um, and I, I just thought that was so beautiful because, you know, it's like a, like a love language. It's like, you're passing on this knowledge yeah. to, to a little young scholar, but um, I appreciate that. It's no, it's not easy. And you say that. And I, um, I'm kind of like chuckling right now because my, you know, like trans and full transparency, like my dad's not speaking to me right now. And I'm like, I don't know what I did to this, to this dude, <laughs> but he goes to these moments. I'm like, he hasn't talked to me in two weeks. And I'm like, I, I did nothing, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's fighting the patriarchy, not only at work, but at home too. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a battle. And I was just having a conversation with Gabe about this because I said, you know, if I wasn't speaking to my dad, you would have already come to me and asked me to go like, basically go talk to him, right? Go fix it. Right. Um, so I'm like, why are you not doing the same thing to him? Because I clear, I had in this situation, I didn't do anything. And I was like, I, um, part of it's like, I don't mind the peace and quiet, but the other part of it's like, <laughs> like, what are, do you even remember what you're upset at me about? Because, and I know what it is, but um, this is way off topic, but Melania got a splinter and she wouldn't let me take it out. And so she kind of was like super overdramatic, like screaming about it. And he comes, he's like, why is she crying? I'm like, because you baby her so much that she won't let me take out the splinter. And she's like a hypochondriac and I can't like calm her down. And I was like, you know what? Just like basically like leave like this is my like let me deal with it this is my kid and um so basically from that he's upset because I was like let me be the mother in, in, the, in the situation but again we're fighting the patriarchy everywhere 
Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and that's hard, but, and it's, and it's also, um, for me, I, I, I'll be honest, I started the battle. I didn't start it until I became a mom, right? Like I, for all these years, for my entire life, I had endured all of it. And in my mind, I, I think that's where I knew, you know, yeah, of course these comments are off the wall and are not unwarranted, but it wasn't until I became a mom that I was like, immediately, no, like you're not going to, um, to say it to where my kid can interpret it, hear it and understand it. And I had, now I have to say something. Um, and so there's been a lot of like unlearning and learning that I've been doing as an individual. And that's probably where people in my family are like, where is this coming from? Like where, like, who is this person? Right. It's just that it, it's always been internalized. Um, and it wasn't until I became a mother that I started being super vocal about it because I, I immediately realized um, how easy this could get passed down to the next generations. Um, and so if that means that I'm the generation that gets the wounds, then that's what that means. So yeah. it's a, a lot of it is, is that, and again, it's like all of this like invisible weight that we carry, right? Yeah. So we, we have these personal roles that we're carrying and professional roles that we're carrying. And then at the end of the fucking day, we're just carrying all this weight and then who's caring for us, right? Like, yeah. so to kind of like come full circle, it's like, yeah, we are chingonas because yeah, we're enduring all of this pain that nobody sees. Yeah, oh my God, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I hearing you just make me think of all the, the different moments that I had growing up. I mean, I, I completely rebelled against my dad, yeah. you know, growing up for things that at that time I didn't understand. I can vocalize it, but something didn't feel right. And I feel like that role now, um, just with my nephews, like things that I heard my dad, I heard my dad, my parents, but like, I'm thinking of my dad right now, like say certain things and I'll hear him say certain things to like my niece or my nephew and, and, and afterwards I got it, I'll be like, you can't be saying that to them, you know? Um, and then using myself as an example. Yeah. yeah. I think that's tough because it starts at home. And I'm, yeah. when I say it, I mean like equity, right? So like we, yeah. you and I have been, you know, we've learned a lot, right? We're both, we're both doctors. We're both in the profession and we're both professionals. So we've, we've, we've done a lot of learning. And then how then do we take that knowledge back to our families, like not even communities, like we're talking about the families and engage because I, for me, I remember my master's when I was in my master's program. Oh my goodness. Like I would, I would argue with my parents because I was so frustrated. And then I remember, then I have to take a step back and like, look at myself, my positionality, like, why am I so frustrated that they don't have this knowledge? Right. And that's, that's a whole nother like part of our educational system. And then through the years I've learned like, okay, you have to unpack, you have to like, one, you, if they say certain things, like you kind of have, you have to call them out on it, but like, how do you call them in? Right. Um, because that's, and I always go back to like, the work is starts at home, right? Like we can be these equitable scholars out in the field and, you know, when the cameras are on, but when the cameras are off, who are we? right? Are we calling out anti-Blackness at home? Are we calling out, you know, all of the isms and, and, and trying to have those difficult conversations at home? Because I feel like that's what, that's what 
kind of really matters, right? Because we can talk yeah. amongst each other at conferences all day and be like, oh yeah, we're equity this, we're equity that. But when you go home, yeah. you're going to let some racial shit fly. The, then that's that's not, you know, being authentic either. And that's hard. <laughs> I think that's 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 definitely, um, oh my gosh, we did a panel on that too. Do you remember? That was um, in Baltimore, the family one. Now I, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the familismo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because this is all... This, um, I just remembered because at that time during that panel, I shared, um, that was during my birthday when my dad wasn't talking to me. Yeah. You you see these patterns that I have of of not being spoken to. So, you know, as I get the silent treatment is a form of, you know, toxic masculinity, or I don't know, it's a form of something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of the right term, but it's a form of some bullshit. And it's a pattern that, that exists for me. Um, but again, it goes back to, again, you're, you're, um, spiting the patriarchy, like yeah. is exhausting. Yeah. Oh my God. It, it totally is like, I, yeah. I mean, and there's, there's, it's just so complex, like having, like, I know with my parents, I, I think as I've grown older I, and, and as I'm trying to figure out like where I came from, <laughs> like my yeah. own ancestry, you know, like just learning a lot about their own, like, I'm just learning things about them that I'm like, oh my God, like this makes so much more sense to me, like where you're coming from, like that just so many traumas, right? Like yeah. you know, my parents are, you know, immigrants and some of the traumas they experienced growing up. And I'm just learning things that I'm just like, oh my God, like I, I didn't ever realize, like, why didn't you tell me that before, you know? that is, is making me, um, I guess a little more understanding and of them, but also helping me understand how to better talk to them. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, it's just so complex. Like I, I, I like one of the, the pieces of information that I learned, my, my grandmother, my mom's uh, mom passed away, um, from COVID last year um and my, my mom grew up in Tijuana you know in TJ and oh, she never yeah. wanted to come over here but um in like the poor ist like part of TJ and my grandmother was a sex worker and like I knew bits and pieces of her growing up right but that that's a big a big like why well, didn't know that um but just learning more of her experience and like of my dad too growing up just has made more sense to me. And I'm just like, wow, okay. So I see now why you were like that with me. Like, I understand, like, I don't agree with it, but like, I understand it. I understand now, like, or I'm starting to understand. <laughs> it's just so complex. Like, you know, taking into consideration how they grew up and how they came to be the people that they are, which led to me being who I am, but also just like, I don't know trying to find ways to talk to them about certain things it's and then just explaining like my own like what I do here like something like the book trying to explain what that is and you know making sense of that for them I think that's um I remember when I was going through my dissertation and and writing it and I, I remember if I could not explain it to my mom then I wasn't doing a good enough job because you can't explain it to like the community essentially then what are you doing the work for? Or like how, you know, I, I always go back to that. Like, like if I can have a conversation about my research with my mom and um, 
in a way where she understands my work. Like, you know, she might not get like all of the, the, de- the details, yeah. but she, you know, they have a good understanding. And I, I think um, sometimes they kind of surprise me, right? Like they'll see an article online, like a news article, and they're like, oh, I think this aligns to your research. I'm like, oh, you pay attention. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, so like, I'm like, fuck the article. Like, I, it, I'm just, it means so much that they, yeah. they, they got the connection, right? And I'm like, oh shit that's amazing um it's just so so those little moments or even like I remember one this was years ago um my mom because after we I my master's program really like did me and and as far as like self-learning right like in my identity and I had there was so much going on in my head um but afterwards I remember my mom was like what is Latinx she's asking me like uh, it's we had, it was it was a great like conversation you know and then she was like oh okay and that you know it was like it was those little moments where you know I I feel like I maybe am being like influential at home or like they they are kind of intrigued or you know it's it's not a bad or a constant like mm-hmm. with with knowledge in particular right I think that's what I've learned too is like some sometimes they just want me to they just want the old male or they just want they don't always I don't have to always show up as a scholar and that that's complex too because whenever we go somewhere it's like that's the first that's the way they introduce you right like as yeah. like a doctor yeah and, and you're like I just want to like be I, I honestly it's uncomfortable for me because we're in a small town now and I'm like I just wanted to like be low-key and now I feel like I gotta like prep up and like yeah are like paying attention to me a little extra now and you're like I just wanted to to be chill but okay <laughs> You just, you just said that, um, like when they introduce you, like, I remember I, I was, I go to, I go with my mom to a lot of her doctor appointments, um, when the doctors, like, they don't have anybody who speaks English to translate. Yeah. And I remember being at a, an appointment with her and my dad was there and, um, this specific doctor, like sort of spoke a little, like understood Spanish, but like, he was looking at her degree and she had gone to UCLA and, and I remember like being with him and like, he's telling the doctor that, oh, I'm a doctor too. And like, she looks at me, oh, where'd you go to school? And I'm like, oh, I'm a different <laughs> kind of doctor. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're just like proud or whatever. But, and I think that's the other piece too, right? They, they see us in a certain way because we have accomplished, like what comp- this is a huge accomplishment. And, but in those moments, it's like, for us, it's, it's different. Like for me, I was like, not that kind of doctor. <laughs> yeah. I also get the, um, I had a deal that when I moved here to Texas, he thought I was a lawyer and I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. So he, he, it's, it's just kind of like the family's like interpretations. Like we know you're, you're going to school for something that's taken a long time, but we are not yeah. sure for what that, and that's cool too. Um, but I want to be mindful of our time because I, yes. I, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to go into this, the fun portion of this or that for the podcast. So I'll just give you two options and then you tell me which, um, which you select. And if you can't make a decision, according to Lassero, Dr. Lassero Camacho, you have to take a shot. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> a water, it's a water shot. <laughs> a, a water shot. All right. So NASPA or ACPA? Oh my God. Oh, uh... I'm gonna go with NASPA. Okay. Banda or reggaeton? Um, oh my god, it depends. 
I'm gonna go with Wanda. I love to dance, Wanda. So I'm gonna go with Wanda. <laughs> okay. This is, I feel like, an unfair question as well. But uh, Selena or Jenny Rivera? Oh, Selena. TikTok or TikTok or Instagram? Um, I don't have TikTok. Okay, (laughs) I would go Instagram. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Your alumni, Uh, CSUN or USC? Ah, that one's hard. I'm gonna go with CSUN. Just because a different experience, the sisterhood was a different experience. CSUN. Awesome. Baby Yoda or Yoda? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You follow, and for those like who don't know you, she, I feel like is obsessed with Baby Yoda. So I had to ask. I haven't even watched. Oh, you're People are like, you haven't even watched? I'm going to say Baby Yoda. Yeah, so you've never watched Star Wars? No. Me neither. And people are like, what would you put all these things? I'm like, I can't help it. They follow me. Because you've never watched Star Wars, but you're obsessed with Baby Yoda. That's awesome. That that yeah. even makes your obsession <laughs> even better. I fucking love it. I love it. That's so cool. So she, all she does is like post Baby Yoda memes. Not all that she does, but, but, whenever, <laughs> but whenever I see a Baby Yoda meme that you haven't post, I always send it to you. Like, here's, here's one yes. from the library. It's so cute. Yeah, I have um, a file. <laughs> I love it. They make my day. <laughs> I'm like, oh which God. baby Yoda are we going to get today? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Any last words for those listening? Um, oh my gosh. Look out for the book. <laughs> yes. Yes. Look out for the book. Uh, Looking for the book, hopefully in the fall. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I just like, I honestly, my last words are, I'm so grateful to everybody that I've been able to connect with. Um, throughout my time in higher ed whether it's just through conferences I mean there's people that literally like I only see at conferences Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels like we pick up right where we left off like you know like we I don't know there's just folks that I've connected with that I feel like I've known forever I I don't know Um, so I'm just grateful for people that I've connected with I know there's so many more folks that I've still yet to connect with and get to know Um, so I mean my 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 last words would be to, um, as a fellow introvert, and <laughs> not be, you know, to just put yourself out there, you know, like, I think for me, if I hadn't, and there are people along the way too that kind of help push, you know, push me along. And, but I think that when it comes to conferences, I really got to, you know, um, prep myself for connecting with folks and, and being okay with going up to people and people coming up to me. Um, and so I think just, you know, like, don't be afraid to reach out. Cause I know when, like we've done the panels, for example, a lot of, a lot of folks will come up and they, and you know, you exchange emails, but then folks don't reach out. And I just like reach out because it's like, um, like you just never know like what could come out of it. Um, and sometimes it's just a connect, like a friend, like, like long-term friendship, um, and, beautiful things come from getting to know people and connecting with people and and collaborating and and so I just you know like just don't be afraid to reach out it's to whoever you might be thinking of because I heard your podcast um I forget where um oh Armando yeah yeah Armando about the book and stuff so I just don't be afraid to reach out because beautiful things can happen um and so yeah those would be my last words 
Awesome. Thank you so much, sis, for joining me on this episode. We adore you. We love you. You say to you. <laughs> um, and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.